tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, 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 we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Yes, good to be back in the saddle with the whole crew. Join me as always, Xavier Guerrero. What's up? And on the ones and twos, the man, the myth, the legend, Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. Hey, buddy. Guys, great show today, huh? Oh, it was killer. <laughs> it's deep, dude. We're talking bombs, 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 bombs. Heater, heaters. It's we're getting really into some high heat, uh, hidden history. Of religion, it's probably one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I think so, and I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you guys will give it a shot. Some of you guys, some of you guys might not be into the discussion, and I totally understand. Okay, and if you're not into it, it's fine. There'll, we have a thousand more episodes coming out. Okay, mm -hmm. but I'm telling you, if you stay during this, it's pieces start clicking, bro. Pieces start kick, clicking. So I want to thank Esoteric Eddie for coming on. I also want to take a quick moment to thank everybody who came out. Well, did I ever think Vegas? Did we ever think Vegas? I don't know if I, I think, think so. Yeah. Okay, but okay, if I didn't, thank you, Vegas. I also want to thank Nashville for crushing. And I want to thank uh, Jefferson, Georgia for rocking. Guys, just want to say, guys, standing out, don't mind me. But it's probably my best weekend of doing stand-up comedy. I got to really? be honest with you. Yeah. Why, what what do board. you mean by that? Like, what was the best about it? I mean, here's the thing. I, I just, I got standing out. The crowds are great. I got to see good friends. I got to see like Chaney, my Maria, my buddy, Justin, Fadi. I oh, got to see friends in, the, in Nashville. Nashville's nice, guys. You thinking about it? Nashville's Nashville's almost the perfect thing that we want, which is lower real estate. And 15 minutes out of Nashville, you're in a small town. Perfect. It's better than Chattanooga, I can tell you that. We could chill in a small town, and then when we want big city life, we could drive into Nashville. That's the way to do the it. The biggest turn, biggest, the worst part of Nashville, parking is way too expensive. That's my biggest yeah. thing. That country music thing too. It's like uh, old country music is the shit. Though, yeah, but dude. that ain't. It's a pop town now. It's all like Taylor Swift and. Like, yeah, I get you. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying it's the perfect thing. You can get a fat house for fucking super cheap. How's the weather right That's now? The That's the it's, all cold. The South. it's cold. It's cold. It's cold. But dude, a lot of drunk white women. Oh, they're my favorite. Thick, dude, thick, you, would, thick. you would crush. Oh. There's just bachelorette parties, just herds of them <laughs> running around. <laughs> Just you're gonna drop uh, burritos on all of them, okay? I'm telling you, <laughs> it was great. Jefferson, Georgia, great to meet everybody. John Paul Rice came out, the whole nice. crew. Oh, cool! You saw him, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he great. Great. Shouts all to that these guy. guys. Sierra, the not Mexican, showed up. It's really cool to put faces. You know, Owen, the blue collar mystic, he was out there too. So good show. So it was great. If you want to see wow, me live. You saw a lot of people. Dude, wow. they all came out. It was very weird. It's so funny, dude. It was very weird, man. Uh, George is great, except for dude. 
They drive in your ass. They are in your ass. They are eating your groceries. Like, boom. Out in LA, you get shot for that shit. Georgia, that's just how they're like, go. Get, get. I like it. You like that? Oh, because I'm know? usually the guy up the ass. I, yeah, I'm like, I'll get the fuck out of the way. You ever eat my groceries, bro? I will, <laughs> I will fuck you up, Johnny. Yeah, but you're usually the one up the ass. No, dude, I don't. That's one thing I don't do. You drive pretty fast. I do drive fast, but I try not to get in people's asses. Okay. Get my groceries, bro. I'm gonna fuck you up. That's all I gotta say. If you wanna see me live, I got a couple shows. I got See Me Valley, March 2nd, which is, I believe, tomorrow night. And then the following night, I'm in Maleta. The crew is coming. Hammer of the Gods is here. Come get weird. Okay? I need ya. I need it. I need a your own. Personal Jesus, just go to samtriply.com, grab all of your tickets, man. Also, I'm going to be in Laguna Niguel March 9th, uh, March 25th. I'm gonna be in Bisbee, I'm gonna be playing Chuckleheads, and I'm gonna see if Doug Stamp will do some time with me. Ooh, I got ooh. two shows, and then Tucson on uh, March 26th, and, and that's two shows as well. Come and hang out with me, man. Rockfin. Dude, Rockfin is the best place. Ten dollars get you get all of the all of the premium content you want from everybody. Dude, you want some good Ukraine shit news going on? Oh, Go dude, to Rockfin. All of it, dude. All of it is all there, man. Everybody's dropping hammer on Rockfin, and it costs you ten dollars for everybody's stuff. New broken sim. New broken sim. When's that drop, Bert Johnny? Uh, we because of ads, it's going to come out tomorrow. <coughs> We got ads coming out. We're breaking out Broken Sim constantly. It had to be this week. So, I mean, just go check it out. All the best. I mean, everybody you love is on there right now. I mean, we don't smoke the same. Zero, Union of the Unwanted, uh, Conspiracy Social Club, all for $10. I, I put myself out six episodes a week. Six episodes a week. Not include what the, they do. Come on. Exactly. What more do you want? What more do you want? Hardest working man in show business. That is anywhere from 24 to 60 episodes a month for $10. Excuse me. 24 to 30 episodes uh, a month for $10. I mean, dude. And that's just my shit. That's not everybody. There's not... not, You you will never be able to sleep if you try to consume all the episodes. All the great content you get for only $10 on Rockfin. If you're looking for free shows, Sammy T, he's got some free shows. He's got some free shows. Check them out. Just go to Sammy T. You got Tinfoil Hat, Free Audio, Broken Sim, Cash Daddies, Punch Drunk, Zero, my spiritual podcast. I'm telling you, you got to start checking out Zero. It's it, Dude, all this stuff will totally make sense to you what's going on in the world if you listen to Zero. Conspiracy Social Club and Union of the Unwanted, all free. I have a 24-hour radio station on my on samtriply.com. I have all three of my specials, which I think I'm about to shoot another one. Oh shit! I'm gonna do one in New York City, one in Cortland, New York, yeah, with with your family, right? One's with my, all my kids' stuff. Gonna be with my family, and then I'm just gonna do all my dirty, filthy stuff in New York City. You thought of a name yet? Yeah. You you gonna tell us? Taking arrows. Taking mm. arrows, like that. Okay. Taking arrows is gonna be the first one. And then my parents, my one. I, hopefully, me and the baby's mom will be back east with the kids, and that's gonna be called six oh seven for life, which is a homage to Brody Stevens eight oh eight till I die. That's good. I like. I that. 
So you get all my content there, Cash Daddies. I mean, all that's there, all that's and Broken Sims almost caught up as well. Just go to samtriplee.com if you want to support showing T-shirts, man. Just click tinfoiletshirts.com and Conspiracy Social Club T-shirts.com. Click either of those, bam, they'll take you right to it, right to it, dude. And guys, real quick, I want to say something. There's a couple of you cats out there leaving us super negative comments yeah. on uh, iTunes. We don't care. We it doesn't matter, brother. You're spending time writing stuff that does not matter to anybody. I just wanted you to know we see what you're doing, and I know who's sending you guys to do it. And d- listen, we don't care. They're at the kids' table, bro. We're at the adults' table. And the adults don't give a fuck what the kids are doing. Yep. We just don't. Leave all the negative comments you want. Nobody cares. We really don't. Don't leave negative comments. No, I don't care. I really don't. I do. I'm sensitive. Please don't leave negative comments. Thank you. Nobody oh, cares. Now they're going to go after show you, Johnny. is on fire right now. It's only getting better. I mean, the amount of listens that we got last week, according to Chartable, across the whole page, it's like a dream come true. It's a dream come true. We're living that life. You know why? Because we work in the glory of God. We practice abundance and we put out positive energy and we help those who are trying to help themselves. And at the end of the day, stupid ass fucking comments. Don't fuck me. Well, what are you talking about? That's the last time I ever talk about. I just want you to know, I know what you're doing and nobody cares. Enjoy oblivion. Enjoy just fading to nothing. Love you guys. Love you guys. This is great. Cool. This was great. Else? Anything else? Wonderful show today, though. Dude, yeah. this is what this is my jam. Here we got a guy who's done all the research telling you what I've been telling you the whole time. It's all about energy, bro. It's all about manifesting. At the end of the day, this show was about manifesting. I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna love it if you give it a chance. I know some of you guys are a little uh, you know. You're very strict on your religion, and we respect that here. But listen to this show, man. I'm telling you, bro, it goes way deep. And at the end of the day, it's all about manifesting. We love you very much. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please check out my website for all my dates. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. Hey guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Coinbase, okay? Much coin, such base. All right. If you have been following the cryptocurrency craze, now is the time to start getting involved. Coinbase makes it quick and easy to start your own portfolio and learn to trade like a pro, okay? Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spread and spend cryptocurrency, all right? They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone, which is true. I say that all the time. Like if you're getting into the game, uh, Coinbase is the best one to start. They work really well with your bank. The banks like working with Coinbase. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. It's like at most of them are like oh, no, no, no. most of these other wallets, you have to you have to buy it on Coinbase and transfer it over to them. So why even do that? Coinbase is the best one. Millions of people in over a hundred countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, just get started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets start today with coinbase okay for a limited time new users get ten dollars in free bitcoin when you sign up at 
Coinbase.com slash tinfoil. Sign up at Coinbase.com slash tinfoil for $10 in free Bitcoin, okay? This offers for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's Coinbase.com slash tinfoil. Okay, let's get into it. Today's going to be one of those conversations, right, where you're like, what are you going to do? It's like, hey, man, this is these are the conversations that the, the, the comment section gets lit up. And it's usually where one guy leaves 40 comments, right? <laughs> and you're like, okay, dude, chill. We get it. We get it. We get it. You, you, don't, you don't agree. So what? That's, these are the conversations we have, man. And I really want to have it. And I think it's a very important conversation because it gets into who are we, where are we, what have we been told, what's real, and what is a lie. And it's like, just be, just hear it. You don't have to believe it. I don't know anything. I just love to hear the conversations. I mean, this is probably one of my favorite conversations, which is hidden history. I love hidden history because I think it's so important, especially when you look at what's going on in the Ukraine right now. It's like, uh, are these Kazarians, dog? We dealing with some Kazarian shit? Sounds like it to me. Kazarians versus Tatarians, bro. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I'm very excited to have this next gentleman on. Uh, He is an author. And a content creator. Please welcome author Eduardo F. Cano. Bam! Did I nail it or did I nail it? Brother, thanks for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Before we start, let's see your t-shirt so everybody who is watching the videos can see your t-shirt. CIA shot JFK. Bam! Look at that. You got a dude's head exploding on your shirt. Holy shit. Pink pink mist is all you see. Now, why why do you have those? Those are the frame numbers. Are you saying that somebody reached back and shot him? Uh, Yeah, this is from the Zapruder film. So those are like the actual individual shots on the Zapruder film. So are you under the impression that the driver shot him? Man, that kind of is uh, what it may be. But uh, I don't know, ever since uh, when they released the documents back in like, what was that like, wasn't that long ago, under the Trump uh, administration, when they released the documents, I read them and I listened to this one dude, like, just read through them on YouTube. And it was insane what I what I learned. And since then, a lot of those videos have been taken down. So it's kind of hard to, to see uh, those videos and documents. Well, but um, again, dude, you're 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 talking about the whole they're trying to rewrite our history they're trying to rewrite our oh, history they're doing it in elementary already schools are they're, te- they're teaching kids things that didn't yeah I, I like my parents were both teachers I, I never i didn't know what my parents voted until i was like graduated high school i didn't know if they were democrat or republican and they were my parents and their teachers like We've weaponized all this shit, but that's a different conversation to have. I just think that when we take a look at everything going on in uh, 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 the Ukraine right now, it's like we're, we're seeing, like, what is really going on in there? And, like, you know, I, I, again, this is a totally different subject, but if you want to listen to what's going on, check out Cliff High, man. He's dropping some bombs on uh, Bitchu about Kazarians and all oh, this shit. stuff. And so it goes into, like, what is, what is our history? What you know? It's like I, I'm a very spiritual man. I'm a very spiritual man. You know, I say this like I'm thinking about ending every show with glory to God. Like that makes me feel cr- like like <laughs> like Johnny Smile. Like it's a visceral reaction to that because we grew up into this time where like crazy, uh, super, uh, 
uh, out there Christians and what that represents. And I was raised like, look at these crazy Christians and all. I mean, that's how I grew up. So I wasn't right? really saying, look at these crazy Christians. I was thinking like, well, I'm a crazy Christian. You know? Right, like, right. But like, like the extremists of it, though, Johnny. I mean, I was Southern Baptist. They didn't let women preach. Uh, but they like to g- kill the gays and the sins and all that stuff that we grew up with a lot that I think was done purposefully to get yeah. people to discap- disconnect from God. We didn't love the gays, I can tell you that. What's that? They, they, they didn't, a lot of people didn't love the gays I grew up yeah, with. I, 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 yeah, that, I totally get that. You know, but anyways, the point of the man, like, again, if you're Christian, I'm not anti-Christian. I'm anti what I believe is this long con game to get us to disconnect from God and what God really is. So, um, so this kind of gets into it, man. And this is an, uh, again, love, love Christians, parents, Christian, not that was, uh, that might be a weird opening to that. I didn't mean it like that, but like the, the, just the history of just spirituality and religion and all that stuff. It's Eddie, I swear to God, I'm gonna lose it, man. Um uh, Eddie Bravo just won't stop calling. Um I love him to pieces. I'll call him after. Because we're talking port stuff. So I want to get into the history of religion and what you believe, esoteric Eddie. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> I just realized so, you uh, wanted me not to say your real name, and I totally just said your real name earlier. If you want me not to do it, <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Okay. Yeah, uh, my author name is is Eduardo Cano, but uh, you know my online, just like artist uh, alias is Esoteric Eddie. But uh, yeah, I just released a book last December titled "The Lucifer Mystery Revealed." It's an academic perspective on the historicity of Lucifer within the church and the occult. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to say that uh, I've been studying the esoteric, the occult, the conspiratorial for like over ten years. I'm 27 now. Uh, I started looking into this stuff back when I was like 12 to 14. When I got into like psychedelics, you know, certain underground hip hop music that was bringing certain um, history to me and just getting into books and videos all that early stuff back in the day like david ike alex jones um eventually you guys too and just all that you know early good stuff but uh and i grew up i grew up in a catholic and christian home so i understand that viewpoint and early on in my life the bible and its in its stories intrigued me so and i had some experiences as a young person too coming across certain esoteric Um, people or things that led me to this journey eventually of just wanting to discover the truth of of our history and things so i as a as a scholar and as a person really hold a neutral unbiased viewpoint i try to look at things just uh, just neutral and just look at them as as facts i I, hey man i think that's really well put i think it's very important because we live in a time where everybody believes the stuff they were told their whole life is the absolute truth. And we're not here to quite like, you know, whatever makes you a good person and you, you know, you spread love and you're like that. That's all I'm about. I'm not here to tell anybody how to live their life or what we live in. Cause I think there's been a long, long con game year after year, after year, after year. And then on top of that, you have the like decade, century after century. Then you have like this kind of like game of chess where it's like, you had them coming out going, oh, these people are going to come out and say all this stuff, right? And that that's being done on purpose what as do you, well. What do you mean? Like, well, you see, like, people from the 70s go, 
or like the early like 1900s, right? They were like, oh, this woo-woo stuff's going to start coming out, and that's being done purposefully to like disconnect us from God. And you're like, well, I mean, what if that, what if they have information that lets them know it's a little different. Do you understand what I'm saying? I just don't know what example you're saying there. They're like, what was in the early 1900s? Well, we saw, we would, you would see all these people coming out about how early, like religious, like I hate saying Christian because it's not about Christianity. It's just religious dogma. People huh. were all coming out saying that this kind of movement to get away from th- basically the church is being done purposefully. To to uh to deceive people, it was happened very early. You see writings about it all the time, and you see people talking about oh, the, you know, and they quote it. They're like, oh yeah, this guy talked about how this stuff was going to happen to get people to disconnect from God. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm very spiritual right now. I never felt more connection with God in my life. In my life. You know, and but I'm not into organized religion. And again, I'm not telling anybody what they should believe. Again, if you believe I have to do this disclaimer constantly because I feel like people are just looking for a reason to say I'm pushing something on them. I'm not. I'm not. Do whatever you want to believe. But for me, it's like I think it's kind of like we see it happening in real time right now. Right. Where like you're like, well, is is Putin bombing places that have bioweapons sites oh you're just a russian agent you're a russian misinformation person and it's just this demonization to that thing by the way it's just both sides wanted a war both sides did the things necessary to make sure there's no good guys in this no but that's what i'm saying anybody who thinks that way though like sort of with a with a you know good side and a bad side or you're on this side it's it's just not seeing the full well there's all good like everybody has good and everybody has bad that's my humble exactly. opinion. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. the law of duality. But, you know, it's like some people have way more good <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and way le- more evil. It depends on who you are. But mm. so I, I've always believed in that there's just like there. It's just like there's a lot more going out on there. And if we just see what up, what is up is really down in today's, you know, culture that we live in this like these elites but what they've been pushing on us why wouldn't you question things that seem super taboo which is kind of what you want to get into which yeah. is the misinterpretation of lucifer's name yeah i think what you're talking about sam is kind of like the demonization of uh kind of anything outside of the mainstream and of course the church has a terrible history of doing that you know of course through the inquisition and that's what cause you know the enlightenment era and the renaissance to happen is because we were held down so hard by the church for so long literally being killed and martyred for just trying to think outside of that and i go into that in the book actually i go into the inquisition a little bit and how the inquisition uh, interestingly was actually started because um, there was a time period when uh, the church changed its laws of uh, succession from um, not allowing the people to choose the the people in power in the church anymore, but those who are already in power to be able to choose who they wanted to succeed them. So when that happened, um, that's when bribery started happening, corruption. That's when all this, you need to pay us in order to go to heaven bullshit started happening. And then um, in that time period, the early 
pre-Inquisition era, there were certain martyrs that started to rise up against the church and started providing free services to the people, like free praying services, free healing services, free free food, the things that the church should have been doing anyway. So the Inquisition actually started to um, kill those people, to kill those martyrs, like I go into one in specific in my book. Uh, his name was Arnold of Brescia, one of the first martyrs to go up against this new uh, corrupt church. And he was pretty successful, man. He was like running some of these priests out of towns and shit and like in, over there in Europe. But uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, we got to move past this demonization of looking outside of the mainstream. I mean, it looks like that. it's my whole opinion on the laws of physics. The laws of physics, which, by the way, are really a rewrite of the laws of the universe. The Kabbalah, you read them in the Kabbalion, you can go, it's like everything is in motion. I mean, that's the law of physics. Like, that's right out of the Kabbalion, yeah. bro. They've just re, and then they box you in to this way of looking at the world. And all these academics, man, oh man, if it's not in this box, it can't exist. And everything outside that box is what makes this world so amazing this reality we live in so why wouldn't that be about religion why wouldn't religion do that so he's talking about the catholic church who are we talking about bringing all this fucking laws of the of um uh the 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 what did i just tell you? what was the box the uh laws of, the physics. Law of physics who brings a lot the laws of physics i guarantee you it's jesuits guarantee you it's the jesuits dog if you Absolutely. go back far enough and who are the Jesuits? Roman Catholic Church. And who are the Jesuits? The protectors of the fucking black nobility, dude, who have changed the way we look at everything. That is my that is straight up my opinion, man. So we get into the misinterpretation of Lucifer. I've been talking a lot. Right. People are probably <laughs> losing it. Uh, so I'm no going to shut man. up right now and let you do your thing. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I have to be here, man. It's like surreal. I'm like in the episode now instead of <laughs> thank listening to it. Uh, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> but, that. Uh, yeah, man. All right. So I'm going to break this thing down. Uh, Lucifer. Just give me a couple of minutes. It's gonna, we're going to progress through the it. translation of from Hebrew up into the English. Okay. So before I started writing the book, I just simply asked myself, where did we learn about Lucifer? Where did that first occur? And what I found was that the world, primarily the Western world, was introduced to Lucifer through the King's James Bible, the English version. Now, of course, it goes from the English to the Latin to the Greek to the Hebrew, the original. Now, if we follow that progression, we see how we ended up at this conundrum. Now, originally in the Hebrew verse, we don't see the word Lucifer, of course. Now, the famous Lucifer verse that we uh, were introduced to is Isaiah 14, 12, which is the famous, O Lucifer, how art thou fallen? Right. But in the Hebrew, we see Hallel ben Shahar, um, Hallel. Uh, was actually referring to a Canaanite deity, but the word Hallel can also mean something bright. That's what the name Hallel means, something bright. And then Ben, of course, is son in Hebrew. So it was Hallel, son of Shahar. Shahar was also a Canaanite deity, and Shahar means dawn. That's where we got Lucifer, son of the morning. Now, when we translated it from the Hebrew to the Greek, we did a proper translation where we would see Lucifer in the Greek. We would see Fa 
phosphorus, which also means something bright or can mean like fire, light. And then from the Greek, we went to the Latin. And in the Latin is where we first see the word Lucifer because Lucifer is a Latin word. But in the English, it's only used once in that famous Isaiah 14, 12 verse. And it's used as an uppercase pronoun or name. And in the Latin, it's used multiple times, but it's all used as a lowercase adjective. And uh, But the, the Latin and the Greek were both proper translations from the Hebrew. They were Lucifer and Phosphorus were all uh, words that meant something bright. Um, but uh, once we went to the English, we use it as an uppercase for whatever reason, and it turned into a name. But what makes it all more interesting is that uh, Hallel, the Hebrew word, can also be used to represent Venus. And the Greek phosphorus and the uh, Latin Lucifer as a lowercase are words that can also be used to represent Venus. And now there's a reason for all of this. So Isaiah was a scribe and prophet, and he was uh, an elite scribe and prophet. He was a part of the royal community. And so he was intelligent. He was educated. And when uh, he was writing this stuff, he wasn't writing it about a Lucifer. If you go back and you read Isaiah 14, he's actually using this poetic uh, metaphoric language towards the Babylonian kings because uh, Isaiah was uh, around 600 BC, right around the time the Babylonians were coming down and taking the Jews captive into the Babylonian captivity. So Isaiah was writing this as a prophecy. He was condemning them, insulting them, uh, pretty much prophesizing their downfall, the Babylonian kings. But it gets deeper. So Judaism can be broken down into two categories, pre-exilic Judaism and post-exilic Judaism. Now, pre-exilic Judaism, scholars have studied and concluded, was a very loose uh, religion and community. They were pretty much borrowing or taking from the old world, the old Canaanite world. And prior to Judaism, there were just there was polytheism. There was uh, the polytheistic world of the Canaanites, where El was the was the head of that of that uh, pantheon. Damn, and then, and then you had uh, like Baal, also known as Baal who was kind of this notorious figure who would go around just doing all kinds of like escapades, trying to gain power. Right. So, uh, and when Isaiah wrote Hallel Ben-Shahar, he was actually also referring to an old Canaanite tale. Around the 1930s, we uncovered what are known as the Baal cycle text. And in those texts, we see the various stories of Baal doing these random little escapades. And there's one story in particular where Baal um, decides to step down from his throne and all the gods are kind of like conversing. Well, who's going to rule in his stead? And there's a deity in that tale known as Athtar. And Athtar, he's a, he's a younger deity. And he says, um, I mean, I'll step up to the responsibility. And he sits on the throne, but realizes that he's too literally too short for the throne. His feet don't reach the floor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's decided that... Uh, you know, he's not fit to rule. So it's it's kind of like this this weird little Canaanite tale. Okay, I'm bed. dying. I got to jump in. I tried. <laughs> Good. We've been I tried. watching you. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I tried. I tried. All right, guys. I want to tell you about our friends at Athletic Greens. That's right. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a fun way to get my multivitamins. And there is no 
better way than Athletic Greens. That's right. Tastes great. Does the work. Makes me feel amped. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. Okay, yeah, to help you start your day right, the special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and aging. All things holla at your boy, okay? I love to throw a little orange juice, some athletic greens, some fruit in there, and then bang, bang, as I, I do it as I salute the American flag. <laughs> and when I finish, an eagle lands on my... On my shoulder, and we just sing the national anthem because I love Athletic Greens. That's right. It's a lifestyle, okay? And it's a lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo. Keto. Keto or keto, dude. I do keto. You do keto, okay? (laughs) Paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free does not matter. It is all good in the hood with them, okay? Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificials, okay? Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, all right? Why not make it the best of the best, okay? It's important to choose a very high-quality fucking multivitamin with high-quality ingredients to get your body rocking, okay? It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Come on, dude. Athletic Green has over five, over 7,000 five-star reviews, man. You know you want it. Right now, it's time to claim your health and arm your immunity system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop, uh, one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for multiple millions of different pills and supplements. Okay. Just one simple scoop. So first of all, Babylon, uh, uh, this notion of Babylon, it's like we have this notion of just sin and all that stuff. What was Babylon at that time? <clears throat> okay. So, of course, we had the Sumerians, and then we had Akkad, and then we had Babylon. So the Babylonians were like descendants of the Sumerians, and um they were just a new kingdom. They were a new kingdom, a part of that Semitic lineage. And they primarily worshipped Marduk, who was, again, a Sumerian deity to begin with. So they were just kind of like a radical, militant new empire that uh, was taking the old religions and the old old uh, ways of, of ruling and fortifying them to a way that the world has had yet to be to to see at that point in time, like a precursor to the Romans. And, so and we're kind of like stuff. seeing the beginning of a structured, organized religion at this point. Pretty much, yeah. Like a very strong and strengthened uh, religious empire. So so we got ball ball. Now there's a lot of talk. Is Ball a bad guy? Is Ball this deity that everyone sees him now as this dark arts motherfucker? He gets uh, antagonized as that or scapegoated. Um, if when we read the text, it's 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 a lot more mundane actually. But he is kind of like this like 
just uh, free spirited dude within the actual text. I'm talking about like Babylonian Assyrian text. He, he is kind of hell bent on power and it's kind of similar to Marduk in that way where he's just kind of like this younger deity who's looking to take over the, the empire and kind of like do away with the old gods. Okay. So when we get into these old gods, you know, a lot of us, you know, obviously on this show, we discuss a lot of the, you know, Saturn worship, uh, you know, Kronos, all that. And what Kronos, the, you know, the, the myth of Kronos is that he heard that his, his children were going to be the ones that slay him. So every time I believe it was Aphrodite, I could be wrong. Venus, maybe it was Venus would have a child and he would eat, eat the kids. And that's where child sacrifice basically come from. Do you have any thoughts on that? And, uh, are, where does, if you do have a thought, does it, is that where a lot of this comes from? These ancient, ancient, ancient beliefs. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we see a lot of symbolism in our world today that goes back to that. I mean, I mean, my book and my work is primarily like I try to write it in an academic, neutral perspective. But I mean, I'm I'm a fan of you guys. I'm I'm a, a conspiracy at conspiracy theorist at heart or conspiracy realist actually at heart. So when I speculate, right? When I start to speculate, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like strange how a lot of these governments and elite you know, represent themselves by symbolism or ideals that can go back to these empires. And some of them even claim to have lineage going back to these empires. So when you get, you talked about the Sumerians, how far back do you study the Sumerians? Cause now we're getting into Sumerian texts. Are we talking about Anunnaki? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I'm, we're getting way yeah. off subject and I want to bring, I'm bring it back, but I'm so interested in the lineage of religion like it really like it like you know you, you got and i i want to talk about judaism because i think judaism borrows so much from hinduism and, and what the hindu is and then you get into like you know when they talk they start talking about sat, uh, satanism right i mean it just seems like they took saturn the worst of saturn worshiping and the best of hinduism they put them together and they create this dungeons and dragons bullshit that uh, all these nerd dorks do to try to get goth chicks right like that's kind of how i how based on my my kind of what i've interpreted does this go back to Anunnaki in your in your opinion, or is that like too weird of a, I, I mean, academic you versus conspiratorial you? No, man. Uh, no, I, I talk about the Anunnaki in the book, oh, and snaps. I was gonna, I'm <laughs> and I was going to get into that, but but we can kind of like you know foreshadow that. No, but, no, no. If you want to talk about it later, we can get. Okay, you yeah. got Book of Enoch. We're going to get into that. All right. Yeah, so let me but, let me get uh, into you. So Lucifer. Let's start with that again. What's the name? What does the yeah. name mean? Yeah, before we get into that, the last thing I want to say about, about the Babylonians, and it's kind of on a similar topic. What's interesting is when the Babylonians took the, the Jews captive, it was their custom only to take the elite. They didn't take the, the peasants or the poor people or the laymen. They was their, they, their custom to take the elite. So when the Jews were held captive in Babylon, it was all their elite prophets, their royal people. And um, I get into this in the book. Uh, when they were there, I mean, we can assume they were mingling with some of the Babylonian elite. 
And um, what's also interesting, it was Cyrus the Great, the Persian king, who came and took down the Babylonians and eventually freed the Jews. And that's when the diaspora officially started, meaning that there were Jews outside of the homeland um, willingly. And during that, that new renaissance, when the Jews were freed and there was a new kingdom of the Persian Empire who were religiously tolerant, we can assume that the Jews... Um, started to mingle with the Persian elite. And actually, there's a lot of evidence and speculation for the Jews gaining a lot of their ideology from the Zoroastrians. This is what I love, dude. I love all this shit. This is my favorite stuff, dude. I could talk all fucking day. It's so interesting, man. Like, like, this is such a black belt conversation, man. You cannot just drop this on anybody, <laughs> dog. Right? It's just so, like, borrowing and borrowing and what, like, the weaponization of, like, Judaism in modern culture and how, like, if you talk about it and all, suddenly you're pro-Holocaust and all that, which is, like, to me is just so insanity because, like, like you know, it's like I just did a show in, in, um, in, in, um, Nashville and the woman was just yelling about the Jews in the middle of the show. And like, you know, I, I yeah, she's well, just she like, you was- know, you know, it's the Jews. And I'm like, you know, my, my whole opinion, they're middle management scapegoats in my humble opinion. And at the higher, higher levels, it's like, if you know, if you know who they are, they ain't running shit. In my humble opinion. Right. Did she, did she think it was form tank? No, no, no. It was just like, <laughs> and it's so funny. Uh, you know, it's, I just want to say to the guy that was there with her, I understand you, dog. I get you. Everybody watched him. They got in the car. They argued. He kicked her out of the car. Oh, shit. Respect, dog. I understand it, man. It's like I understand when you got a wild woman and how you got to deal with that. And he's just sitting there. He's just like, Ugh. and like, I'm sure the guy listened to my show and he's just listened to his girlfriend just yell out loud in front of everybody. It was, it's the fucking Jews, right? And she lifted up something, showed it to me, and then put it away. I go, what'd you just show? She's like, don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, interesting, dude. But She, she definitely doesn't listen to the show. It's her, it's her dude that probably yeah, listens to the show. I, she was I all lost. I just tell you, dude, I love yeah. you, and I understand you, bro. And I, I go, are you mad? He goes, no. I go, okay, I get what's going oh, on. <laughs> I get what's going on here. But it's like this whole demonization of, of Jews right now. It's just like it's they're getting scapegoated by these people who have, like, been running the game for what you know cliff high says six thousand years man six thousand years they've been running this fucking game getting people mad at jews blaming jews for fucking everything that's my humble opinion man and it's like super interesting because you were talking about they're stealing from that they're borrowing from this group and it just seems like you know when you go to these old 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 synagogues there's the swastika which is a hebrew hebrew excuse me which is the um, yeah the you know an an ancient sim- symbol for peace? It's a Hindu symbol for peace. It's all it's all the same shit, dude. It's just Absolutely. everybody is just saying in different language, man. Yeah, yeah. So the the Lucifer uh, 
terminological misunderstanding all started with that progression and that misunderstanding us not understanding the old Canaanite world and what Isaiah was actually referring to. And so it progressed properly through the Greek, through the Latin. But then when we got to the English, that's when we fucked it up. And then we created this concept of Lucifer and it didn't go unnoticed. Actually, um, Calvin, the, the famous Protestant reformer, wrote about it saying, and I mentioned the quote in my book saying that this is kind of like, this is arrogant for us to just think that this Lucifer person is a character. It's obviously not if you have to, if you read the proper translations and, um, but it was the early church philosophers that kind of like got psychedelic on us and, and caused this to happen. For example, um, a huge part of, of this like Westernization of Judaism was the Hellenistic period when the Greeks came in and um, started to take all this these lands over. Now you had the Greek philosophers and the Greek elite mingling with, with the now fortified Jewish um, philosophers and, and rabbi. And that's when that started to mingle. And uh, some of the early Hellenistic philosophers, some of them, you know, they had Greek lineage or and Greek lineage because we started to mingle and have babies together or whatever. And one of them in particular was a dude by the name of Aristo, Aristobulus. Aristobulus around 180 uh, BC, he, he's quoted as saying that the Greek, that Greek thought originated in ancient Jewish philosophy. And uh, the famous Philo, who was born uh, like almost 100 years later, furthered this idea too. So from the Hellenistic period, the, the Greek philosophers started be, becoming influenced by Judaism. And they were like, wow, this is ancient. This is mystical. Like, this is obviously the source of where we come from. But little did we know that they had just like barely created themselves just a few hundred years ago. And we're borrowing from even more ancient sources. And we're going to get into that a little bit with the Anunnaki and the Sumerians. But the dude in the early church who really started to concrete the idea of Lucifer within the church was a psychedelic dude by the name of Oregon Adamantius. Now he was around 180 common era. And um, he wrote in a book known as De Principis. And I have a quote here saying, we are taught as follows by the prophet Isaiah regarding another opposing power who formerly was Lucifer. He might show by this that he had been at one time in heaven and had enjoyed a share in that light, which all the saints participate. So here you have Oregon Adamantius, who was later deemed a, her a heretic um, for his ideas uh, pertaining the book of Enoch. Um, but uh, here you have Oregon Adamantius in the first a couple centuries of Christianity, looking at loose, looking at the Isaiah verse and saying like, oh, wow, Isaiah is telling us that there's another force in, in the heavens known as Lucifer and starts getting psychedelic and philosophical with it, which is cool. But had he known the actual history, he would have known that that was a mistake all along. Lucifer never existed. It was a it was a, a translational error. Isaiah was referring to Astar, Hillel, the Canaanite deity, but he was also referring to Venus because Venus's celestial mythology in our skies is that it is the brightest celestial object in the morning preceding the sun every morning depending on where you are in the planet you will see venus before you see the sun so isaiah was saying to the babylonian kings you are like venus you are like astar you think you are bright and that you are something of importance but just wait until the sun comes and overshadows you um hold but, on so uh, you are you're telling me that that the, there's a misinterpretation and that Lucifer never existed. Lucifer never existed. Damn. But what did you, don't you think it, 
benefited the church to invent Lucifer? Well, they invent, to, in, to invent to create. I always say that I go Satan. Satan never existed. Satan never existed. Now, now, do you believe that there are there? Yeah, they they create Satan so that they could create a hell. Yeah, give and us then fear. They make give us some fear. Oh, you're gonna tell go us to all hell. the weird. Oh, you jerked off to your your, your teacher at school. Oh. Oh, you know who loves that saying? <laughs> Lucifer. Right? No, no. Well, they, yeah, it's so weird, but that's so, now do you believe, I, I believe there's, there's source, right? That's what I believe yeah. in, source, God, source, the universe, right? And then there's a bunch of middle management motherfuckers that are like in between us and source and their job is to, they they either were created or they create or something happened where they're here to help us find the light or deceive us from the light. Thoughts on that? Absolutely. I, I do get into that in the book. And that's pretty much a Gnosticism is what we're explaining to an extent. But I'm sure you're familiar with it or the, uh, the audience is familiar with it. But of course, um, I'll just briefly summarize. Gnosticism is a broad term for different uh, schools of Christianity within the early years. The more uh, popular one were like the, the Dead Sea Scroll community. Um, that's where we get like the Gnostic Gospels where they talk about Yaldabaoth and the Demiurge and, and that exact idea how there was the source the creator. And then from that source, uh, a split of its consciousness broke off and it became Sophia, the fem a female consciousness. And Sophia broke off and she created this, this realm for fun, pretty much. And in that realm, she accidentally created Yaldabaoth or the Demiurge, which was like this ugly, I guess you could say demonic type creature. And um, she kind of like was spooked by that. So she just dipped out of that realm and left it there. Oh, oh and, damn, dude. <laughs> We're somebody's and, Petri dish. <laughs> yeah, and, and that realm that she left it, the, the Demiurge in is our universe. Um, so the Gnostics and even going back to pre-Gnosticism and, and, and uh, Plato's philosophy, um, and even like in Zoroastrianism, all the all the mystics of all of time, and even now, you know, scientists are realizing that we live in some sort of simulation. We live in some sort of realm that we are quote like more or less trapped in. And the goal, as the mystics of ancient have tried to painstakingly tell us and teach us, is to get out of this, to enlighten and ascend out of this. But uh, those are kind of more more Dude, or less my thoughts on it. This is great, bro. I'm all about this, dude. I'm about all this. This is what I'm talking. This is what I think. It's what I believe. It's so interesting, dude. It's so it's so deep, and it's so. But when you think about this stuff, like, it's just like it really starts to free stuff up, man. I was actually gonna ask you. You said uh, it got translated to Latin, right, yeah. Lucifer? Because it's loose, right? Like light. Yep absolutely yeah so lucifer. it was like yeah it comes from just the term where, where the word started loose lucifer means the light just like he said so, in the show so lucifer was a just a light it was supposed light. to be a light on in the text on the first one right yeah so the hebrew word hallel it, it means it's a word that can mean it's a name but the name the meaning of the name is, is something that's bright it's like constantly like bright like hey what's up bright hallel means bright but it also it's got multiple meanings not only does it mean bright it was actually the the name of a canaanite deity known as astar but it was also a name that could be used to represent the planet venus which again is the brightest celestial object in the sky preceding the sun wow 
So then you get into some stuff about like whether there was a time when Saturn was seen as a sun and that there were like there were two suns and that the sun worshiping Ra wasn't about worshiping the sun we understand, but actually worshiping Saturn. Goes all the way back, back again, back. dude. Right? That's some crazy shit, dude. You think it was like, I mean, this might sound crazy. You think it was closer? What do you mean? Like Saturn was closer? I don't know, man. I just, you know, then you get start getting into like the uh, electric universe and did something knock, did some kind of power search, knock it off and send it in a different direction. So mm -hmm. now we only have one sun, but some people think we have two suns. It's, it's, yeah. it's so deep, dude. You'll, that's the thing about this, right? You start having this conversation and start peeling back this onion. You think there's a center to the onion. And no. there's just not a center to the onion. It just keeps peeling. It just keeps peeling. Yeah, man. It, it, it gets it gets wild, too. Before we start getting into, like, the occult and all that other stuff, just to kind of finish off the early church. Yeah, dude. There's, an, there's another reason why um, the Latin version might have used Lucifer in that verse. Okay, so the dude that translated the Latin version was known as uh, Eusebius Hieronymus. Uh, famously known as Jerome. He's he's one of the most highly regarded like early church fathers because he translated the Latin Vulgate, which the, the Roman Catholic Church used. Now, and it, this was in the 300s during the Constantinian dynasty when Constantine took all the pagan religions and formed them in, under the Christian empire. And we can that's a whole other conversation. But what's interesting is during that time period when the, the Latin Vulgate was being formed in the Constantinian dynasty, there was a, a schism known as Arianism and Arianism taught that Christ was just a regular man um, who was given authority by God. So Christ became a title. So that could be used to justify any other man via Constantine mm. being given the same authority. Now, so is that no Christ consciousness? Is that what we're talking about right now? No, not necessarily. This was, this was a schism within the institution of the church back in that time that was saying, because at that time, Christianity was still forming, right? You had the Council of Nicaea. They were trying to decide what books are we going to use? What are we going to teach as a unified religion? How are we going to go about this to dictate and control our subjects pretty much so all these priests and bishops were, were arguing over what who is christ what is christ what is the meaning of christ so the arian doctrine taught um that christ was just another man who was given authority by god so that that made that opened up justification for anybody like constantine to be given the same authority to be christ on earth so um, there were OG bishops that were like not down with that, who were known as anti-Aryans. And get this, one of the leaders of the anti-Aryan movements in that time, during Jerome's time, when he was translating the Latin Vulgate, his name was St. Lucifer. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. Right, so, For the people um, in the back, meaning XG. Say that one more time. <laughs> so while the Latin Vulgate was being written by Jerome and the Constantinian dynasty was putting together the Christian empire and there was a schism of Arianism justifying that Constantine could be Christ on earth, there was a group of anti-Arians against that. And one of the leaders of that movement was known by his name was St. Lucifer. So, so what you're telling me is they took this dude's name and tried to demonize it. Pretty much. Damn, dude. Johnny, reaction. 
I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. The enthusiasm is killing me, dude. This is this is the best. I'm it's just all a lot, there. man. And you know, it's a, it's a lot. It's it like so dense, like you were saying. It is. It's, it's like it is like we are we are we are digesting a lot of data. Yeah, a lot Old of shit. data. Old shit. Old shit, dude. So let's get into the occult version of Lucifer. Absolutely. All right. So, of course, the church kind of took that with Oregon Adamantius and kind of ran with it and started developing this concept of Lucifer as an actual character and Satan and kind of coupling them together mistakenly. And then um, the person who was more responsible for bringing that concept into the occult was Eliphas Levy. Pretty sure um, we're all somewhat familiar with him. I actually got a documentary on him in my, on my YouTube, Esoteric Eddie TV. Interesting guy. So he's most famously known for drawing the Baphomet illustration, right? We're all pretty familiar with the Baphomet yeah. and all the different things that's been used and, um, you know, accused of being. But Eliphas Levy was actually farthest from being a Satan a Satanist or any Crowley-esque kind of guy. He was actually like uh, a hippie Catholic mystic, you could say. He was actually a Catholic studying to be a priest, but just had very psychedelic ideas about God that were in line with the with the institution. And he didn't like the mundane robotness of, of the church and how they just disciplined them to be soulless. So he pretty much left the church and gave up his career as being a priest and after he did that um his mom committed suicide oh. yeah and he's a very important figure in the occult i mean crowley actually stated that he felt he was the reincarnation of levy and uh blavatsky helena blavatsky the the theosophical founder um she always regarded levy as one of her authorities on knowledge and wisdom so his impact on the occult is is goes unprecedented especially with the image of baphomet and just quickly on the baphomet and he states exactly what it meant to represent it's he was also an illustrator an artist and he was actually twice by the french government for his writings on on god and he was what by the government sorry cut out uh he was jailed twice by the french government for his writings on god and spiritualism Pretty, pretty cool dude, pretty radical. Not like Satanist at all. He was all about spiritualism and love and trying to build a connection with God. But the Baphomet, he drew that as, yeah, as a daunting image because spiritualism and occultism is daunting. It's something that you should not tread lightly. But he drew that up as a symbolism between the, the duality of man's beast nature and his spiritual nature. So that's actually what it represents. It's super interesting. You're not the first person to tell me that. That, like, they've demonized that symbol as well. You know? Yeah. That's what we've been told. Again, I know there's some people freaking out right now and all this stuff, but I'm just telling you, what is up is really down. It's been bombarded with us for a while. You know? I mean, like, you're not... Talk to us about Crowley a bit. How do you feel about... How do you feel about Crowley? Because I want to fight him for charity. (laughs) <laughs> oh man uh you know i mean I, I learned about him when i was back in like high school and you know like most people who first hear about him i was fascinated you know thought he was crazy and wild and then started reading more about his personal life and yeah not the best dude 
Definitely, you know, not the best. I think dude. he's a hack. I think he's the Carlos Mencia of uh, <laughs> occultism, where he's just yeah. jacking other people's stuff, remixing it, remixing it Mexican, and then putting it <laughs> fucking out. And then everyone's like, "Oh my god, you're so smart!" But because he was such a rich kid, yeah. and he had he was connected, it was a, he was able to put it out, and the and then you got all these fucking dumb fucks. In Hollywood, like worshiping, like he was something. Of course, they are because they're all rich kids too, yeah. and just rich kids love rich kids. And the truth of the yeah. matter is that, like, he was just a hack, bro. He's just a giant hack, jacking people's stuff. And I just, I'd fight him for charity, even though I think he knew some martial arts. I'd still fight him. How big was he? Does anyone know how big? <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder. He, he looked oh. kind of heavy. You can take him now. What? Well, so, now I could. <laughs> so you, you, so you were turned off by his personal life. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, but again, my work is to be neutral and just look at look at things. So, I mean, my personal opinion on him, yes, I have the same uh, opinion. I think he was pretty lame and just kind of privileged and spoiled. But I, I, I only thing that I give my hats off to to him and anybody who that he tried to venture, you know, to these other realms. So anybody, whether they're they're Christian or not Christian, when they take it upon themselves to try to venture beyond this realm to bring back something for us. I mean, that's, that's tough work, you know, and it drove him insane and drove him and a lot of the occultists insane and literally was like, drove them to their sad and terrible deaths of just being disheveled drug addicts. So that stuff is not, you know, to be tread lightly, you know, magic and dark arts and all that stuff. That's why I say, man, it's like you're watching these kids they are singing songs. They don't know what they're saying, what they're doing. How uh, they're dancing. I think some of them know. I think like some do. I rappers. mean, it's like, who is that? Was it you brought up the Chris Rock bit about how, like, all these girls are dancing the songs that are just completely degrading them? But because, like, the beat is great, they're like, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know, it's just like same thing with these kids, man. Words are magic. And how you use them is very important. I mean, you just kind of look at how they've done with culture and everything. They've just completely taught us the opposite of what is, uh, in my humble opinion, the way we're supposed to live our life, our life in the light. And they've done it purposefully. So they got us all saying and doing stupid stuff because we don't know whether we're coming or going anymore. And it's super crazy. So I want, uh, do you got any more on the occult or can we get into Sumerians? Because I'm all about that. Yeah, this last thing is so so Levy was kind of that bridge between the church and the occult because I, I was saying he was he was still a Catholic mystic. He was a Christian mystic. He had a lot of respect for the church and the Bible and God, but he started to br- build that bridge to the occult and he wrote about Lucifer too, but he was smart and he knew about the mistranslation. He was not fooled by it. He knew Lucifer wasn't real, but he found a lot of potential in the concept and philosophy of Lucifer and just used that to build up occult philosophies. Oh, and later on, everybody else kind of did the same thing. So fucking interesting, dude. It is so interesting, man. You just blew my mind today, dude. So interesting. So this is what I really love to get into, man, is... Sumerians. Absolutely. And the connection yep. to all this, because I think it's super important, man. Yeah, so the uh, the, the Christ- Christians and the occult use different verses in the Bible to build this Lucifer character, right? They say, well, look, if you put this verse and this verse together, then it's proof that Lucifer is real. And in the occult, 
particularly they use the Garden of Eden story a lot. Um, they use that a lot to show that Lucifer was benevolent. They say, well, look, I mean, God didn't want us to elevate. You know, Lucifer gave us this knowledge. Obviously, he might be he's benevolent or some good in him. Right. So in the book, uh, I break down the Garden of Eden story. We know Lucifer was never real. We know that the early church got it wrong, got a psychedelic, created this concept. And then the church through Levy also made it fanatical. However, there was a Lucifer-like character in our past, and that could be understood if we study the Garden of Eden story. Because in the Garden of Eden story, we see that, yeah, this, this character decided to go against God's will to get to, to provide us knowledge. Now, who is that character? If we when we uh you know go into that, we find something pretty fascinating. Now, first and foremost, the Bible, specifically Genesis, again, borrowed from the ancient world. When we uncovered the Sumerians in the 1800s, you know, the, the early scholars, uh, when we uncovered them and started to, to decipher their text, it was clear then, as it is now, that the book of Genesis borrowed from the Sumerians. We borrowed the flood story from them. We borrowed uh, the creation story from them and, and many other things. So when we take that into consideration and look at the Sumerians, we can piece together who these characters are in the Bible that were summarized, right? So in the Sumerian stories, as many of us may know, the God of knowledge, the God of wisdom, who was also represented as a serpent, was none other than Enki. Now, for those, uh, and, and before I go into that, in the book of Genesis, when the word serpent is used, it's not it's, the word is not snake. They use the word nakash, and now Hebrew is very playful. They, a lot of words have multiple meanings, and they use those words specifically for those multiple meanings, so that those who have the deeper understanding know what's really being said. So the Hebrew word nakash can be used to to uh, denote the word serpent, or also um, wise one or diviner. So it was almost like they were kind of like insulting and playfully calling this person who was wise, also calling them a serpent. Now, um, of course, if we take a look at the flood story in the Bible, it's one God who's has a strange, capricious nature to who's like, I love humanity, but I want to kill them. Right. And the reason for that is because the flood story was taken from the Sumerian version where it was two gods and Lil who wanted to kill us and Enki who wanted to save us. So if when you understand that, take that and I'll go back to the Garden of Eden story where in the Genesis, it's 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 this God and this serpent. And we now understand that that was Enlil and Enki. Now, just to go through some things here in the Sumerian uh, in the Sumerian words, there was actually a term equivalent to the Hebrew Nakash, and that was Ushum Gal, which literally means uh, great or, or wise serpent. And the Sumerians called some of their deities Ushum Gal, and Enki was one of those. And uh, Sir Henry Rawlson, who was considered the father of Assyriology, the studies of Sumeria, you know, Akkad, Babylon, Assyria, said of Enki that he functions as the source of all knowledge and science and is figured by the great serpent, which occupies a place among the symbols of, of the gods. 
Um, and just time and time again, these early Assyriologists are, are saying that as they read the text, it's obvious that Enki is the God of wisdom, the God of knowledge, the God of mysteries. So who other than this Ashumgal, this God who is clever and witty and always going against the God's wishes to be the serpent than Enki? It's, it, it's super duper interesting, right? It's like, so one of the big shows early on in Tim Foha is Matt LaCroix coming on talking serpent versus eagle mm-hmm. and what the serpent represented. And it fits right into exactly what you're talking about, which is a serpent represents knowledge. And the eagle represents authoritarianism. And that is the battle forever. And that, that really makes sense to me. The serpent doesn't just mean serpent. It means wise one. Like pieces just start clicking together for me, right? It's. Just... I still can't believe that they literally just grab other stories and remake them their way. That, why, dude, dude, that's all they puffy combs, They're dude. not even creative, can't make their own stories up? Dude, no. I mean, nobody does that. That's just like my whole theory is that everybody's saying the same thing. They're just saying it in a different language. In a slightly well, it different. might not even be a lack of creativity. I mean, in a lot of cases, it might be they're just trying to describe the same thing, like you're saying. Right? 100%. Yeah, yeah. If they saw a car crash, everybody yeah, has their own description exactly, of yeah. what happened. And people get so lost on that, and then you got all these atheist piece of shits. Remember, I'll go, oh, dude, look at this. It's the same story. This language, that language. And this, yeah. It's like, yeah, dude, because it's the same story. It's a feature, not a bug. Yeah, yeah you. Oh, I love this, dude. I'm all about, I mean, the Sumerians and what that represents. And then we get the Mesopotamia, bro. And what's going on? Like, look at these wars that are going on. What's going on in, in, Mili- in the Middle East? We're all, you know, you got Iraq, Iran, Israel, us. Uh, Sierra, uh, Syria, right? This is Mesopotamia. Weapons of mass destruction, bro. That is that a portal? Maybe Stargate? Maybe. Then we get into what's Time going travel. on right now in Ukraine, right? Like that's Kaz- Kazarians, Kazaristan, or whatever it's called. You know? I mean, like it's like to me, just pieces start to click. And you start realizing it was never about oil. It was never, it's all about this is a spiritual war to wipe away all connection to our past history. That's what I think it is, dude. Absolutely, man. It's interesting how, like, yeah, these same stories are being told, but different versions. It's almost like they they want to keep the Anunnaki, whoever these deities were, at, they want to keep the control, but they have to, like, update the software you know, every so often years and that software is the religion and the hardware is like the, the rites and the ceremonies. And yeah, it definitely gets into that weird metaphysical realm, which we'll get into, I guess, in the closing of the show, um, when we talk about, you know, archetypes and stuff. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, yeah. uh, before I got into that, um, kind of wanted to just segue into the book of Enoch. Yeah. Unless, unless there was any other questions you had on the Sumerians. Or no, on the dude. You were great. I, I, yeah. I, I, totally get the Sumerian stuff and what they represent. And is that the earliest form of man? Like who created the Sumerians? They just came out of the, 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 the caves, full language, tools, everything. Like what does that represent, yeah. dude? That to me is the most interesting shit. It's the most yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah. The occult, they, they, uh, 
I have a chapter in my book called The Faults of the Occultists. And the faults of the occultists is that they didn't know about the Sumerians because Eliphas Levy was in the 18, late 1800s, uh, as well as Blavatsky, and then Crowley came, and then the rest of them. We barely uncovered the Sumerians in the 1800s. So they couldn't have fully understood the Sumerians in the way that we are privileged to know them now. So, But all of them had an intuition about the Atlantean period. All the early occultists talked about the Atlantean period, Crowley, uh, Blavatsky, Levy, and more specifically Blavatsky. Um, she talked about she had she talked about what she called the Kabiri. Uh, it's a term that she used for these ancient gods from the Atlantean era who left their heavenly abode and risked it all to give us knowledge and all this stuff. So they were their intuition was correct. They just didn't know really how to connect it because they didn't know about the Sumerians yet. But now we know that, yeah, there was a race of beings from our past, according to our ancestors and what they wrote down, that came here, created us, and gave us knowledge. And some of them went, went, went against the, the, the wishes of the others to, to give us more knowledge. And what makes it really interesting and like kind of like real is that uh, King Ashurbanipal, the last Assyrian king, whom there's all kinds of museums of today, has a stone tablet that you can view in what she says, the God of scribes has bestowed upon me um, the skill to read and write the languages from before the flood. Yeah. Where is that tablet? Uh, I know the British museum. They, every now and then they do a whole fucking show on Ashurbanipal, like, uh, like rooms and rooms. I, and rooms. I, that is on my list to go see. I want to see that shit, dude. So let's would get you, into would, this. Would you would you go check out the Va the, the Vatican? Oh, I'd love to go. To You'd the go. Yeah, I would love to go. And then I'm gonna try to sneak down and get into that library. Go, <laughs> oh, give yeah, me the goods. <laughs> give me the loot. Give me the loot. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. If I could do anything, I'd be like, yeah, you could do anything. What would you? Do? I just want to be alone with somebody who knows all the languages, and we just sit in the in the library of the Vatican really? and just what the fuck is going on, dog. What do Does it you make hide? you sad to know that never that'll never happen? I mean, in my lifetime, probably not. Yeah, but I would love to know, dude. I the would... only way that'll happen is if you go in after they destroy the place, you know, and you're just kind of picking through the rubble. What if I That's run for pope way. and win? What <laughs> run, if I run just for pope? What run, if I run, just run a really? You should good throw your hat in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, throw it out there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Run a nice. What would your pope name? Lemonade be? stand campaign where I finance and sell what lemonade. Pope, what would you pick for your pope name? Pope, uh, Pope, uh, uh, moons over Miami, just like Pope. <laughs> would you be a cool Pope? I would be cool Pope. Cause I'd be like, open the doors of the library. Yeah. Everybody gets to read. Cool Pope's always the, the, the bad Pope though. You yeah. Know, he is. Yeah. No, I don't trust it. I'm going to be, uh, don't fuck with me, Pope. Interesting. Okay. Right. So would you, you would open things up though? I would, I would be like, let's read these books, bro. Okay. Tell me what we got. I have a feeling they would like take not be cool with that and try yeah. to take a couple shots at me, uh -huh. but yeah. they would when realize yeah. that by then I'd have a black belt and crawl. Oh, look, the, the cool the cool pope has instant Alzheimer's. Funny, yeah. <laughs> I'd have like ninety fucking. I'd have ninety like bodyguards. They, they, they like treat, Navy SEALs around me at all time. They would treat you, you like Trump. They wouldn't show you the aliens. They're like this. We can't. I would take the aliens with my band of Navy SEALs. Right? You think the Vatican they have aliens here, like oh, yeah. in, in the in the cupboard somewhere? Maybe, dude. Mm. Maybe. I mean, they got. I mean, like, dude. I mean, you get in, that's another fun discussion. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the book of Enoch and the fallen angels. Talk to me. 
Yeah, man. So this is where things get a little weird with the church again, suppressing Starch knowledge. Starch getting a little weird? Because I'm all about that. <laughs> I already thought we were in weird town. I didn't know there was a couple more exits. Oh, man. There's more. Uh, oh, yeah, great. so the Book of Enoch used to be highly regarded, like, in, in, in 200 B.C., 100 B.C., um, so much so that it's been said that uh, it was like a personal book of uh, St. Paul. Like Paul would carry around the book of Enoch, some scholars have uh, concluded. And there are some statements said by Jesus in the book or in the Bible that are actually references to the book of Enoch. And um, in, in Jude, actually, let me see uh, if I can pull this up. So in the book of Jude, 14 through 15, there's an exact quote from the book of Enoch. And it actually says that it is quoting from the book of Enoch. So the book of Enoch used to be highly regarded as uh, canonical. And it makes sense because Enoch was, I believe, uh, the great grandfather or grandfather of Noah, one of the two. So it would make sense for us to want to pay attention to what the fucking grandfather or great grandfather of Noah was trying to tell us. And what makes it interesting, it's not like any other biblical story because it tells us a detailed story of the fallen angels and who they are by name and what they did. And uh, they, in the book of Enoch, these angels are corporeal or have physical bodies, are beings. They are pretty much like Anunnaki, the same way we would, the Sumerians talked about them. But as soon as the church started going through its reformation in the Constantinian era, it, the book of Enoch was, um, was ousted. It was excluded to the point where it was even uh, deemed heretical and banned from being taught or read or circled um, within the Constantinian dynasty. And uh, the reason being is because of the idea of angels being corporeal or physical and it's kind of strange and so further as the church progressed they got away from the idea of fallen angels being physical beings that once actually interacted and mingled with us possibly creating bloodlines and kind of tra transformed it to just them being spiritual beings it's a fantasy that never really kind of happened but uh the book of enoch if if we take it as you know if we take it as real and we understand that it was highly regarded by even Jesus and Jude and Paul, and we understand that these stories go back to the Sumerians, then what we're looking at is kind of a cover-up of our ancient past and the Anunnaki. Oh, my God. It's wild. I'm all about that. You love that shit. Is there an audio version of the Book of Enoch? Oh, this gotta be just. I got nine. I'm, I got nine. I just bought your book. I gotta read that. I got. I got. I just want. Like, I can't watch television anymore. Like, I feel like with this Ukrainian war it's right on now, YouTube. Yeah, that I am right back to where we were during the early COVID days, where everything's Ukraine, which is to me the surest sign that we're being lied to. Right? Of fire, neither its extent. Or magnitude yeah, some could guy I reading it on YouTube. Nor could I can and they couldn't get a better guy. Then he I sounds said, like the guy from the Twilight Zone. It's the perfect dude. <laughs> he really does. Then Uriel answered me, one of the holy angels who was with me, and said unto me, Enoch, why hast thou such fear and Stop affright? it. I gotta okay. listen not to Not bad. It. Yeah, not bad. I'll listen to this, dude. That's my jams. That you is, should uh, start. I mean, not that you should start another podcast, but a book club. 
You be you be bur- yeah. going through oh, books hey, like well, crazy. Hey, didn't you used to do that? Yeah, yeah we, welcome to my book club of books I, I bought but I haven't read yet. <laughs> no, that would yeah. that would keep you accountable of reading them if you had a book club be yeah. like, "Hey Sam, but I can't read it. fast enough." Oh, really? I just can't read what about fast. audio though. You can do audio. I could do audio, but then I'd have to dedicate myself to audio and I just I like to I even if it's 10 pages, I like to read. I, I Do it while you're on an I'm, airplane though, I'm driving around. I'm very bad. Oh, at he it. loves to sleep on the airplane. He's the I king do. of sleeping yeah, on the, the only airplane. Way I can do it. I Time do travel. Yeah, me too. All right. I'm right there with you. So, Boogie Enoch, Fallen yeah. Angels, I'm all about that dude. Like a lot yeah, of people are angels that. and demons, the same thing, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Before we get into like entities in the spiritual realm, um, I recommend reading R.H. Charles's version of the Book of Enoch. It's like the most popular and, and like the best version, translated version. But also, um, just a quick point: J.T. Millick, who uh, also wrote an extensive piece on the Book of Enoch back in the seventies, is regarded as like the most scholarly, um, you know, a conclusion on the Book of Enoch. States that it's clear to him that the Book of Enoch came before the Bible because the church will try, try to tell you that the book of Enoch came after the Bible. So it's all fanatical, but JT Millick who wrote the most extensive piece on it, like digging into it concluded that no, the book of Enoch precedes the Bible and that the Genesis story where the, you see the Nephilim and the sons of God and that weird thing is a very short summary of the entire book of Enoch. Oh my God. I'm so into all this. I'm so into all this. Dude. I'm totally, Absolutely. I'm totally down with that, man. It just makes everything seem so much more interesting. Now, th- now, when you talked about uh, the universe, then they broke off and they made the female uh, version, and she broke off. She made the demiurge, right? Demigard. How do you pronounce it? Demiurge. Is that in the book of Enoch? Not necessarily. No. Where do I get no. all that story? Gnosticism. Is there a book that says that? Yeah, well, Gnosticism is a broad term for for a couple different types of Christianity that were like, had this psychedelic viewpoint, but the Demiurge comes from what is known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. So if you want to, if you want to read the Dead Sea Scrolls or the Gnostic Gospels, you'll see some of that in there. Um, most of it is in there, yeah. But the for like the, the Cathars, for example, the Cathars were a, were a form or brand of Gnostic Christians um, in the early, like I believe, 1100s, 11, 1200s, and they were very psychedelic and believed that the church was the incarnate of Satan on earth. Like they were very anti-church, oh, and they were all massacred by the church in what is known as the Albigensian Crusade. For their beliefs on 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 uh, yeah, the church being Satan and stuff. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just crazy how much blood has been spilled in the name of a loving God. Right. I, I, I just blows my mind. Yeah, Graham Hancock. He 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 talks a lot about narcissism. He's got some cool talks on YouTube. He breaks it down pretty good. He's great, huh? Graham Hancock yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd love to have him on. I'd love to have him on. Yeah, Sometimes dude. the name Tim Fall Hat turns people off. They don't realize. Yeah, especially guys in academic like that. Older guy. I think yeah. he was the first guy that got Rogan not to use the Fleshlight commercial when he was on. <laughs> he told Rogan, I don't want the Fleshlight commercial at all when I'm there. And I think Rogan was like, all right, I understand. But. 
Dude, you can sell anything if I'm I was about on to Rogan. say, yeah, by the way, uh, Fleshlight, uh, you know, if you yeah. want. Yeah, where is Fleshlight? Let's sell some Fleshlights. Let's sell some Fleshlights. Or use them. Yeah, so the Fallen Angels, right? Yeah. They are, they're demons. Like, we have this story about this war in heaven. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, the war on heaven is a strange thing. Some people have pulled that from the Enuma Elish, which is a Sumerian tale, which if you read it, it's an epic that uses gods, but it's actually telling you the creation of our solar system personified as gods. And it sounds like a war in heaven, but it's actually when our solar system was being created and planets didn't have their orbits yet and were like crashing into each other and all this crazy shit. But um, I've also seen people who have like remote viewed the war in heaven and they've said that sometime in our distant past, there was a war between Earth and, and people on Mars. I haven't studied that deeply, but um, there is something there. Remote viewing into heaven? Yeah, dude. That's now you're getting the weird yeah, shit yep. that we are all about. We're all about. So what's the weirdest shit you got about <laughs> the book, Enoch? He said we're going to hear some weird shit. What's the weirdest shit you got? Yeah, well, when we study these things, they're pretty mundane, to be honest. But when we when we take under consideration the implications of what is being said about us, it's pretty big because for example, we still to this day don't know how we went from basically caveman to homo sapien. We don't know how that transition occurred. We can't pinpoint it. Like you said earlier, all we know is that one day we just with this full fledged civilization building fucking pyramids and writings and all this stuff. But when we listen to what our ancestors said and wrote down, they tell us exactly what happened. They said that God's created us but um so who they were why they did it is up for interpretation i don't believe they're the creators of everything they might have just interfered and genetically created the homo sapien race but what makes us all very interesting is the idea of archetypes and the collective subconscious i don't go into this into the book because it's something that i stumbled upon afterwards um what and something that i'm starting to realize and it kind of connects with aliens and ufos too so check this out, right? So, of course, Lucifer wasn't real, but we've created that concept and character, and it, he might as well be real at this point because of how much power it holds over people's minds. And it just how we don't know, really know what real is, right? We, we, we postulate that a lot in today's scientific world. We're now starting to understand that the underlying fabric of, of our reality is somewhat of a simulation. That doesn't mean we're in a video game. It just means that there is a fractalized numerical system that is um, creating everything that we are in. And, and it's happening in a, through like a computation almost deliberately. Now, that um, is so awesome, dude. That is so awesome, man. That is very deep shit right there. Just like a computer almost in a weird way, like computing and crunching numbers. And Yeah, James Gates, uh, he's uh, like, uh, uh, I forgot, he's some type of physicist, but James Gates, he was one of the dudes that kind of first started realizing that as he was studying quantum physics and he started to run into, as he said, computer super codes. He's like, why am I coming across computer supercodes when I'm yeah. studying quantum physics? Like, yeah. this is insane. But what makes this even more crazy is this document that I just read recently. Um, it, it's a declassified CIA document known as Project Gateway. It was declassified in 2003, originally written in 1980. I also have a documentary on that on Esoteric 80 TV on YouTube. And it's about a 30-page document. 
And the CIA pretty much, they're studying this dude by the name of uh, Robert Monroe. His institute is still uh, up and running, the Monroe Institute. They teach you through, a, through a, like a some 30-day course or whatever, how to astral project, how to reach the higher realm. Oh, what, what, where? Yeah, the, the Monroe Institute. Okay, dude, now I'm all We're going in. to camp. Yeah, sounds like we're all going to camp. Monroe Institute. There it is, dude. There it is. Okay, man. Daddy's going to learn how to ask for project. Get the fuck out of this shit. Man. Well, Let's do it, yeah. dude. Let's do it. So the CIA was studying his stuff and trying to break it down and explain it in a scientific, logical way on how this could be possible. And uh, it's a pretty, it's a 30 page document. It's pretty dense, but if you, it's worth a read or at least check out the documentary I made and what they conclude is just fascinating. And what I love about it the most is that they, they own up and admit in the document that the mystics of the past and the ancient mystics were right all along about what they've been trying to tell us about the nature of reality. They were just explaining it to, to us through the right brain, the creative brain. The prices are right here. How much is it? Twenty one hundred for six days, five days, six nights. Twenty one hundred dollars. You gotta fly out and go learn. Yeah, I mean they got. They, Where is it? I think in Virginia. You guys want to go do it? But they have, they have, they have like beginner, beyond meditating, the getaway voyage. Like there's different prices. There's they're they're, they're giving you a, a deal. Like they have that for it all. Remote viewing, basic, virtual. We should, we should first contact them and see if they want to enter into some kind of like. You know, ads for space camp. Yeah, trade. we'll give you ads if you teach us how to get the fuck out of here. They got one for lucid dreaming. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm all in. Done deal. Done deal, dude. Done deal. I love all this, dude. I love all this. Absolutely. So <clears throat> when I read that document and, and what they had to say was basically that there's what they call in the document a mainframe what we would call, or the ancients would call source. There is a source, and in that source, infinity exists. And when you reach certain levels of meditation um, and your, your, your frequency vibrates to a certain level, um, you actually interact with that infinity, that infiniteness, because the way wavelengths uh, happen, right? They, they go slow and fast. And the, the higher you vibrate, the faster your frequency wave is. And each frequency has a stop, has a, what's called a rest point. And only infinity can exist at the rest point because time, what the document says is that we exist in the time space dimension where everything's an illusion, but in, where, but in infinity, all things exist, but in frequency waves, you can only exist in that place of, of infinity at the rest points. So when you vibrate higher, you have rest points that are closer together, meaning you're closer to source, you're closer to infinity. And if you were to vibrate so high that your vibration would look like a line, a singular line on an oscilloscope, you are completely inside infinity. You are connected to source directly. I believe it. I totally think that, man, going back to the, you know, the higher frequency you are, the closer you are to source. The lower frequency you are, the farther away you are from source. I completely and I believe all that. Yeah, and where it gets even wilder. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yo, in the document, I mean, it's fascinating stuff, but what's crazy is there's just one sentence, this one sentence where they say, basically I'm paraphrasing, um, the participant must prepare themselves before going towards the higher learning processes because you may and you may come across lower vibrational entities. Oh shit. What does that mean? It, that's all they say. And I just skip right over it. Uh, can we get some more info? Yeah. <laughs> back it up. Beep, beep, beep. What's going on there? So that means like, are you, are they going to trick you, bro? Are they there? People to trick you. Not it's to like go- in the Bible where they just skip over giants, you know, like, Oh yeah, there's some giants yeah, there. And then this dude. other stuff happened and blah, blah, blah. But you know what this that you know what reminds me of this is like you know the whole theory of how you come to this realm, it, or or better when you die, right? You see the light, you know the archons tell you to go back into the light, which brings you back here, right? Which is most yeah. likely, in my humble opinion, the moon, which caused you to be born again, you know. And the trickster they trick you into doing that. So if you go, you're gonna come back. Yeah. So what? So let's say. God forbid you met uh, your in today, and they were t- that your family was there, you know, telling you to go into the light. What, like what's Grandma your decision? B? Yeah, yeah. What's your decision? She's like, Sammy, come here. I got baklava. I'd be like, <laughs> give me that baklava. You Bam, would? I'm yeah. right back here. That's yeah. hard. That's a hard one. Yeah. That's a hard one not yeah. to listen to Grandma B. Yeah, 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 dude. So. Um, so take that, right? We, we take that into consideration. And then we look at what Carl Jung taught us. Carl Jung, a lot of people like Freud when it comes to psychology, right? Because he was like the cocaine, like bad boy or whatever, talk, talking about sex. But I like Carl Jung more. He was like the esoteric, psychedelic dude. And he's the one who stumbled upon the collective subconscious. So right now we are all interfacing together in the collective conscious and we all have our individual conscious and our individual subconscious. And we also have a, a, a collective subconscious where all like weird dreams and fantasies and thoughts exist and can exist. And in the document, the CIA document, they say that there are different uh, dimensions and that all these weird thoughts and, and things and archetypes of our own minds and collective minds can get trapped in those dimensions and start to create their own little worlds with their own little things. So what I think is like, for example, I think the DMT realm is a real place and it's one of those dimensions where all these weird thoughts and insecurities are getting trapped. And that's when you come across these gestures and, and elves and whatever. So, but you can get trapped there, dude. It's possible. I mean, it's possible. You can get trapped there. And you know what's wild is uh, that the Egyptian religion was all based on what are known as the pyramid text. The pyramid texts are a number of, of like all these inscriptions on, on uh, certain pyramids, not the big pyramids, but these other pyramids, I think at Saqqara or something. But the, that's the source of the Egyptian religion. But all the pyramid texts are are literally preparing the king or or anyone for that transition. And they say the same thing. They say, you must prepare for this transition because you may encounter the judgment. You may encounter uh, the the demons you may encounter that might trick you. So you need to be mentally, spiritually prepared for this transition onward to heaven or what the uh, book of, or what the pyramid text titled the uh, planet uh, or the place of the million stars. I mean, how many books am I going to buy today? Now I'm going to read about the pyramid text. Yes. Answer is I'm buying it right now. 
I, I mean, what, what am I going to do, dude? Can, what am I going to do? Why don't we put a fucking bookshelf here? Yeah, I would like to do that. So at least these people believe we're buying these books. I am buying these <laughs> books. I bought many books today, dude. Yeah, and uh, I'll get to them someday. I, you know, we were talking before. Was it you guys? Yeah, we were talking about how, like, as a man, you kind of get depressed that you're not going to make love to all the women. Oh, that yeah. was Broken Sam we were talking about. Yeah, yeah right. You get yeah. really sad. You're like, oh, man. It's just I too mean, many. You know? We were what? talking about all those women at that Dutch uh, festival, you know, that music festival. Yeah. And you were like, oh, when. You're never, just not never, never going to make love to all of them. And it just makes me a little sad. Unless we are all the same person and then we're just all making love yeah, to ourselves all the time. Will Chamberlain tried. He got to 20,000. Props to him on that. Too. Yeah. He, I mean, dude, he, he gave it the best shot for mankind and he, <laughs> he fell well short of probably at the time, there's probably what, 1.5 billion women out there. So, hey, props to you for trying. You didn't even yeah. put a dent into it, but you tried. That's how I feel about all these books now. Like, am I going to read all the text? Also available in audio, by the way, the uh, Pyramid text. So if you want to go to YouTube and listen I'm going to start with the Book of Enoch, and then I'll work on the, uh, the Pyramid text after. I mean, it's just so much, bro. It's just yeah. so much. Yeah, so going to Carl Jung, right, for taking this into consideration, now, Carl Jung actually wrote a book on UFOs and his take on UFOs. And when I read that, along with what Jacques Vallée had to say about it, right? Jacques Vallée, he's been like the world-renowned UFOologist for many years. Both of them have a contradictory a conclusion on UFOs and aliens compared to the rest of UFOologists. Uh, they both kind of think that these this phenomenon of UFOs and aliens is more conscious than physical and Carl Jung, you know, being a psychologist and, and coming up with the collective subconscious, realized that these things are coming from the subconscious for, for some reason. The same way that a person who experiences trauma might experience hallucinations or certain things in their life. Humanity experienced something in our past and these entities or what we are calling entities might be interfacing here because of this collective subconscious that is calling them here. And Jacques Vallée kind of agreed with that. He, he noticed that this is more of a conscious phenomenon. And he's, Jacques Vallée said that whatever these things are, they're trying to get us to create a mythology about them so that our minds can work them into our reality. What? Damn, dude. Damn. So we're creating them? And yes. But they're trying yeah, to get yeah, yeah. us to... It gets down to everything, man, which is permission, right? Like, the everything needs that permission to come into this realm or to reenact, which is what basically false flags are, right? They, it's like going back to the movie Lost Boys where the head yeah. vampire has to be invited in. They ha it's Which goes back to the laws of the universe from the Kabbalion. It's all mental. So a false flag, right? Look what they're trying to do. They're trying to create a crisis in the Ukraine. And they're getting, they want us to mentally agree that yeah. there's a crisis. So now that they're, that would make it a crisis, which means they can now go deal with the crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And it all goes to, back to like archetypes and, and uh, you know, what the CIA document tells us is that our, our archetypes exist in these dimensions and they can pretty much formulate, they're pretty much Okay, so archetypes in these dimensions are pretty much spiritual AIs. Yeah. 
that can become self-reflective and then formulate and then manifest. So they need us to manifest them. Absolutely. Damn, dude, that's everything. That is everything. Manifestation is everything. Yeah. And by the way, in the document, they talk about manifestation and they uh, claim that it is real. It is a real science, but it needs to be done a certain way, pretty much from the standpoint of confidence and already imagining it happening rather than begging. So say that one more time. Uh, The document, the CIA document uh, admits that uh, or claims that manifestation is a real science, but it needs to be practiced a certain way uh, where you pretty much do it in confidence and are imagine it already occurring rather than begging or pleading for it. Make it happen. That's crazy shit, dude. I mean, this is one of my favorite episodes. I could talk about this shit all day. Because I think it's real. I think like... That goes back to what I'm saying, man. It's like, I don't know what's real. I just don't want to apply law of attraction, model of abundance, love thy neighbor with discipline, everything. My, I vibrate at a higher level. Man. Yeah. So with the occultists and, you know, people playing with fire, you know, trying to summon things, yeah. they're playing with this science of quantum physics, magic, and psychology, which are all terms for the same thing. We're playing with this science we don't fully understand, and we're calling and summoning things here we might not want to uh, interact with. Dude, you you call it, it comes. I mean, you call it, you co- it comes. I mean, let's go back. Like, it's like the Ouija board. Go play, and it comes to you. Yeah. It haunts you, and then some people be like, it I won't. S- I say it all the time, Biggie Smalls, man. Biggie Smalls, you sing about getting shot enough, you're going to get shot. And I'm regretting, I probably said that a thousand times that now it sounds like I'm calling for Uh it. I am not calling for it. (laughs) John Lennon did the same thing, dude. Uh, Come together. You know that, the part you can't hear is him going, shoot me, because they were having like a long session or something like that. Oh my God, they played it over and over again. Yeah, that's, that's real. Damn. And he, I mean, he was always afraid that he would be shot too. And he yeah, was, but he didn't yeah. out. They put out the universe on one of the yeah. most popular songs of all time. That got played a billion times. Oh, dude, get out of here! Hey, esoteric Eddie, I gotta tell you something. You're taking you. You made a real fucking, real fucking hard push for the fucking Mount Rushmore. Oh, dude, he's bro. on there. I'm, I you made a you made a you made a hard push. For it, <laughs> hey, I'm honored, man. You made I'm a sure. hard push for it. I mean, dude, I could I. I I could do a whole just podcast on all this shit. Like, this is my favorite shit because it just lends you know. And like, I know I get it. I know you guys, if you stuck with us this long during the show. Okay. I know you're going to be yelling that this is all the devil's work, but I'm just telling you, man, it's super interesting, dude. And it just fits into what I've been practicing and my life has gotten so much better. It's never going to be perfect. That's not this realm. It's never meant to be perfect. You'll never have a flight that doesn't have a little turbulence in your life. It's just the way this life is. So, man, you keep talking about your uh, YouTube channel. Tell them where they can find you, Esoteric Eddie. Absolutely. Uh, Instagram, 
Esoteric Eddie. I post uh, some content on there that's not on YouTube. Uh, YouTube, Esoteric Eddie TV. Going strong with uh, several documentaries right now. Got plenty of cool things in the works. Uh, and I have a Twitter. Not going to be too active on there, to be honest. But if you want to, it's Esoteric underscore Eddie. And also the book, uh, Lucifer Mystery Revealed on Amazon. Uh, hard Hardcover, paperback, Kindle. Or you can hit me up on Instagram if you want a personal signed copy. Well, man, uh, you came, you saw, you dropped the hammer of the gods on us. Uh, make sure to send me all those links, Eddie, because uh, I, I know if, if the people like are into what I'm into, you're going to get a ton of love because this was a great episode and it, I got your book. I bought it. You know, I think I bought three books today. That's how you know it's a good show when I just start buying books. Uh, but thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you. I hope to see you guys. Uh, so thank you, Eddie. I appreciate it. Yeah, buddy. yeah. Thank you. I hope to see you guys in Simi Valley. And then in Maretta, okay? Come see me. Come get weird. I love you guys very much. We'll talk soon. Take care. Have a great day. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.